Spags, we are back for a splash play doubleheader. You versus me battling in the Best Ball Mania four streets for $3 million. You have crested past 100 entries. I am still under 100, but we are excited to be drafting head-to-head -head in the Splash Play doubleheader today. Currently in a Best Ball Mania forum, so if you want to play along this get-in now while the get-in is good. But Pete, a lot of news now. We are in training camp season. Kadarius Tony's already tweaked his knee. Saquon Barkley re-upped his deal. What is, what's catching your eye news-wise? Because this is getting to be a very noisy time of year. Yeah, I, I was thinking that Maybe we were going to get the Barkley thing lasting a little bit longer and there'd be more of a discount with him maybe sliding into the third round more. So that is clearly over. I do think the Kadarius Tony thing is pretty big. Just, I mean, he was being drafted very aggressively along some other really good wide receivers. And now I think we see him fall a good amount. We're going to see some of these other wide receivers get pushed. I mean, Sky Moore's ADP is going to be a rocket ship right now in relation to the Kadarius stuff. And then the other one, I think, Javante Williams not opening up on Pup, which again, we don't even have to freak out about Pup because they can come off anytime. And sometimes it's just a, an initial designation. But the fact that he's not even in consideration for the training camp Pup, uh, I think is incredibly encouraging. And I think his ADP should come up uh, multiple rounds. Yeah, I'm with you on both those takes. Javante's been a guy I've been drafting in the hopes that the health would work out. Uh, Kadarius Tony obviously going a little bit the other way. And I agree with you. I know Adam Levitan over at ETR gave some takes about uh, Tony falling to the 100 range. I, I kind of felt the pushback too, Pete. He's one of my highest exposed guys. And people were like, oh, he's going to get hurt. And I think it sucks because I think he's going to be ready to go for the regular season opener. But I'm on the clock here. I'm taking part of the, the famous Cincinnati KC stack to start, Pete, taking Jamar Chase. Uh, must be nice to be able to get a 102. I, I am now, I think in my past, like 12 or 13 drafts, I guess it was last week I had a couple 103s, but man, it just, it seems like I've just can't catch. Like, do you know what I haven't had? I haven't had 104s or 105s for a long time. Uh, I just don't even know what that range of the board is anymore. Yeah, you really have had some tough luck. I have heard of worse luck, though. Um, our guy Vaporware, I saw tilting on Twitter a little bit because I don't think he's gotten a single 101 or 102, and he's drafted you know a couple different tournaments. So there, it could always be worse, Pete, but you are definitely, for an influential man, they are not treating you as such. I know. Yeah, my influencer 101 status, it's completely dead here. Uh, Travis Kelsey does go five. Thought, ooh, maybe fun if Tyreek Hill falls. Um Trying to see, like, this room, I do definitely see some familiar faces, but I'm not quite worried for an avalanche. I've been kind of starting to get my Eckler numbers up here. I don't mind being underweight digs. I'm just, like, kind of looking at my exposures. I'm definitely very flat in this portion of the board. Um, let's keep grabbing some Eckler here at 1-7. You don't mind being underweight digs? Is there a reason behind that? I just don't really think Diggs is that different of a pick than all of the wide receivers at the turn. You know, basically, I like Garrett Wilson. I like him on Raw. Um, I think CeeDee Lamb has a path to a higher target share than him. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams, I think, is in that conversation. And so Diggs just seems – he seems kind of overvalued to how they run that offense. And we saw, it's like one of the reasons Diggs was all pissed off this off season and has been disgruntled is because he's not getting the target share he wants. And that's just not how they, you know, utilize their offense. Now they bring in Dalton Kincaid, who, even though I find him overpriced as well, I think he's going to command some more targets. So I just think Diggs still definitely has the single game spike week upside, but I think like you really compare him to some of those other guys who could have like true breakout seasons of 25 plus percent target shares like a Garrett Wilson. And it's just a harder click for me 
in that range. That said, it's like, who are you taking otherwise if you want a wide receiver? Um, because it is a pretty flat tier. I've been kind of leaning toward preferring Eckler and Bijan in that range and then pushing Diggs and Brown back to the tier with the other wide receivers. When are you going to come out with your I heart RBs hat just to give that other side, you know, a chance <laughs> here at the podium? I honestly should uh, just to uh, play both sides. Well, you know, Republicans buy tennis shoes too. you know, uh, <laughs> running back bros buy by uh, best ball merch as well. By, by bucket hats specifically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to the chat as well. Appreciate all you guys here. I see a super chat coming in bright and early from Mark. Good morning. Started the best ball draft now. Just here for pop punk references. And Pete Yellowcard had a new album out I saw recently too, which uh did they really does anything for you, but it moved a needle slightly for me. They uh I think I think, yeah, thank you, Mark, for that super chat. I think Mark is referencing I had a like a cat. I think I said like carry on and then it made me think of that uh all american reject song and i started singing it yesterday on best ball breakfast so i'll see i'll see what i can do as far as some uh pop punk references i've definitely been going through a nostalgic music phase because this also marks the 20th anniversary of season one of the oc which had oh, an incredible yeah. soundtrack that was like one of my favorite soundtracks back in high school so i've been doing a lot of uh revisiting lately Heading to the bait shops, listen to Rooney play like back in the oh, day. Oh, there we go. So Rooney, that was like, that was before Death Cab for Cutie even like blew up, you know, when they were playing at the bait shop, the Walkman, uh, you had all kinds of good bands come through there. All right. So I'm going to grab T Higgins here and um, OC, by the way, a book coming out from Alan Seppenwall is one of the TV critics I enjoy the most. So I might actually read a book, Pete. I've not been a book reader that much this honestly last year, just because of reading athletic articles takes up a lot of my bandwidth. I've realized um, but I do think that, you know, an OC book might be the thing to get me back in the back in the book club, so to speak. I uh, I've, I've told people this before. I would like probably not be where I am today if it weren't for the OC, just because watching the OC made me want to go to school in California so bad. And then, you know, I ended up going to school in San Diego. And then, you know, I meet my wife when I study abroad. So like, if you do like the trickle down ripple effect of like everything in my life, I do truly think I wouldn't be sitting in this chair today. If it weren't for Seth Cohen making SoCal look so appealing as a quasi nerd. Yeah, I was a freshman when the OC came out and that, you know, talk about hitting close to home. I was 17 years old in L.A. for the first time. And then you see Ryan Atwood there punching rich guys who have uh, fancy cars. and was like, wow, this is really speaking to me as a poor kid in a, a rich area. But a uh, shout out to the OC, of course, if you haven't watched it, uh, certainly probably doesn't age that well. I presume in certain parts, but overall it would be a good journey. I rewatched it back. It must have been at the 10 year anniversary. Um, I rewatched that back and the first season definitely holds up. Everything else falls off the rails, but the first season is really good there. Mm -hmm. Um, man, this is not like a fun spot for the board. I was really hoping Mark Andrews would fall there. I, I think we're going to continue to see pretty cheap Josh Jacobs. Um, I think his holdout risk is, I mean, obviously he's the last holdout here. Um, I think what I'm going to do is just, um, is try for some premium, chargers here i'm gonna go eckler and keenan okay yeah i mean certainly a build that i know you tap sometimes with justin herbert and all that um i'm with you on the josh jacobs thing to a certain extent i do think now the the pathway has been set by saquon signing it feels like jacob just gets a similar deal so i think his holdout i mean he flew out of vegas i saw the reports yesterday i think he comes back there pretty fast like that deal he's not going to get better than what saquon got with 11 million guaranteed and a two million dollar signing bonus i think yeah i mean i'm with you that I, I think I've been on the record that all of these holdouts are just posturing and that these guys don't have any leverage and they just kind of want to save face. They want to make it known that they're upset and then they're going to come back and collect their paychecks. It does seem like Josh Jacobs is a little bit more willing 
to push this out. And the other thing too, like if you think about it, these guys don't want to be, you know, getting additional wear and tear and stuff at training camp. A veteran like Josh Jacobs, like he doesn't really need these reps. So I kind of don't blame him if he's like, you know what, I'm going to sit out, uh, you know, doing a bunch of sprints at training camp and I'll show up uh, in a little bit and prove a point. So uh, I, I do think, and the whole thing with it then is like, yes, he's still a good value where he's going here, but he could just be regularly at the three, four turn if this goes on another week or so. And then the seeds of doubt are like, wait, wait, he's going even longer than Barkley. Barkley caved. He's back. Like, what's going on here? I could just see the market panicking and giving us pretty cheap Josh Jacobs. Like, we're doing um, our first high stakes manage draft right now and we're about to pick at the end of the third round and Josh Jacobs is still on the board. And that's an even a more running back heavy crew that draft over on FFPC. So I just think in general, the market is a little spooked about Jacobs right now. No, I think that makes sense. Certainly going to be more combinations of him and, and Adams, which I think were certainly available to people out there. Going to going to happen a lot more naturally now because of where I mean, you can see it on the screen here. Uh, theoretically, Echo Source could have gotten Jacobs there, or M Wolf could have gotten Jacobs with Adams. So uh, definitely some options there for Jacobs to move around a little bit. Anybody else for you that you're being mindful of closing line value wise? Like Tony, one is a big one. I'm kind of bummed about that, but I don't. I really don't sweat closing line value that much. But anybody you're on the watch for in terms of that? Hmm. For closing, you know, one I'm being, I want to be a little careful with. I still love Kendry Miller. He's starting to fall mm. in drafts here. I am on the clock. Mike Williams does go. We had Juice Prop really want me to rip it in with all three chargers there. Uh, I would have considered it. He goes, I am just going to grab Christian Watson, who I do like uh, a smidge more than Hopkins and these other wide receivers here. Um, but yeah, I want to be a little careful. I, I, I'm trying to really think through the Saints backfield. Um, I still think Kendra Miller offers the best late season upside, the kind of guy I want to target, but because my bags are so heavily packed already and he's really starting to fall in drafts, I'm just trying to think that through a little bit and make sure I'm no longer reaching ahead of ADP for him um, as he slides into the 150s now. Yeah, I think dollar costing these guys down, like, you know, for Kadarius Tony, I do think he's going to fall. I've been taking him a lot in that, that 70 range, but I think I'm going to try to get him in the 80s, 90s, 100s if he goes there and and see where it falls. Um, Burrow is here. I don't think. Oh, Pete, is this is this a Najee share for me? I think it is. I think I have DK Metcalf. I'm planting the flag for Seattle Pittsburgh. Najee, it is. Did you see? Uh, did you see? I took a Najee share on Best Ball Breakfast yesterday. I did. I saw the the fallout of it. I didn't see your journey to it, but I presumed it did not go easily. Uh no. It. I think it was. I think it was at pick fifty five. Uh, that I took Najee and uh, and I was like, all right, middle of the fifth, I'll, I'll grab my uh, my Najee share here. It was a weird team for me because I did the Josh Allen. Well, I was talking about the digs thing. I'd done the digs and then Josh Allen fell to me in the third round and then grabbed a couple wide receivers and then Najee was sitting there in the fifth. I was like, screw it, we'll we'll do it. Um, Wait, so but just to recap for our team, just real quick so people know. So Stags or Stags, Spags stacked up uh, Joe Burrow with T. Higgins and also has the DK Metcalf Najee mini. Oh, and with Jamar Chase. Yeah. So there was no way you were letting Burrow go. Uh, no, I wanted 50. to push him and I figured Roto Heat Craig wouldn't snipe me on him. So got lucky there. Yes. Um, now, my question is do I mess around and push Herbert or not? I mean, I do like Kenneth Walker. But I think it would be kind of silly with no one behind quarterback to kind of push this. I've made this big bet. I think I'm just not going to. If there was a big slider here, 
Um, I definitely would have maybe risked it. Like say ETN had a big fall to like five, seven. I think I'm taking ETN there, but as much as I want to keep getting more Kenneth Walker, I think it probably would have been a little tilting to miss out on Herbert after kind of reaching for Keenan to get that chargers bet. So Chris is saying Kendra Miller was already activated. Did I miss something? Cause he's on the NFI list to start, right. And might not be. I don't know. Like, honestly, there's so much news coming in right now where I'm starting to feel oversaturated after a few weeks of really combing for news, but he's on the NFI list, right? The non-football entry. That's what I thought. Um, and there was, I saw what I heard is that it was kind of ambiguous why he was on that. Um, someone like well, he said, had the MCL like, injury in January, which they've been aware yeah. of, but I think they thought he might be back in July and then, oh, he, okay. Oh, so All good. Right, he's back. Yeah. All right. That's, that's a positive. There you go. So yeah, I, did, I, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe the days of Kendra Miller in the one fifties are over. Um, although he just still seems to be falling. I think it's so weird how people react to, because I think you could argue the Alvin Kamara news was like slightly positive as far as like, there was maybe risk for a really big suspension. And then people are like, all right, the suspension won't be so bad. So now we'll keep drafting him top 100. And then we're just like really done on Jamal and Kendra who seem to kind of fall, but it always feels like with the Kamara stuff, it's being double counted. Um, mm -hmm. as far as, and it's like, but what's hilarious then is when Kamara is officially suspended, let's say it's six games, he'll drop like two rounds again, because people are like, Oh shit, he's been, it's like, we knew that was happening all along. So it's an interesting one. And I, that's why I've not wanted to make the same mistake that I did with the Dalvin cook and Alexander Madison stuff. Someone asked me yesterday, do I have any mistakes on guys that rose up boards that I didn't pack my bags? And I was like, yeah, Madison, like he was so cheap. We knew Dalvin cook wasn't long for Minnesota. And I still stubbornly was like, yeah, I don't really want Alexander Madison. Then he shoots up and everyone, it's like, no duh. Like that should have already been baked in. I feel like that's, what's going to happen with the saints. Kendra and Jamal Williams are each going to shoot up 20 picks. And we're going to all be like, wait, what? We all knew this was going to happen. And Kamara was going to fall. So I'm trying to be smarter about that situation as it comes up. Yeah, the wisdom of the crowds definitely does favor the certainty. There's been a lot of social media threads about that recently within the, the best ball community. And I would agree, like people just really, I, even if they know the things, they don't internalize it until it occurs, which does seem like an odd thing for us, especially with how we draft. But uh, speaking of, what are you gonna do on the clock here? Yeah, I'm seeing here, like I have a few different correlations I could do as far as like Evans with Olave. I think I did a Godwin Olave. I could also do Jordan Addison with uh christian watson i'm debating between those two i think i'll do addison he's a guy in this range that i've you know i, I was kind of confused by his price relative to guys like quentin johnston so i wasn't taking as much of him but you know then when i got so heavy on like lockett and evans um even deontay johnson when he was going in this range i realized i want to kind of like pick my spots to get um, boosted on some of these other guys that I think are all part of the same tier. So getting in on Addison here when it's correlated with Watson in week 17 feels like a good tiebreaker there. I mean, shout out to Jordan Addison, by the way. I hope his dog is okay. I think that's the main thing. Whenever you see somebody going yeah. 155, you know it's a dog injury somewhere behind. But I'm with you on Addison. I think he's just been a little bit undervalued throughout. Um, all right, I'm on the clock here. I'm going to reach for Pickens because I don't know. You know, Madison is falling so much. That is, mm -hmm. I, I considered him for a hot second there. Um, yeah, this is a big fall just, for him. I'm taking Madison. Yeah. Yeah, it, his ADP was 60, so you got him 11 picks yeah. past ADP there, which is pretty nice. Ah, see, Pickens goes. That was what I was hoping Roto Heat Craig would uh, not take Pickens so I can increase the bet there. 
Kadarius Tony's going to fall, but I still think for me with the Cincinnati KC matchup and Tony still like he's going to be ready for the start of the season. That's the report you can even see from underdog on here. So I'm going to take Tony again, Pete, and I guess he's going to come down maybe, but if he holds steady, I won't hate taking him in 74, 75, 76. What happened to you there with Tony is like what's happened to me a couple times with Brees Hall in the early third where I'm like, he, you can get him cheaper in spots, but then sometimes you look at your board and like you want the running back in that range and you're like, he's the best pick available. And so it is like a push pull of, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately and made, uh, I just made a short for a best ball tip about like the idea of thinking about some of that stuff, exposures over a portfolio standpoint versus drafting the best team in an individual draft room. And I think sometimes, even though you're like, yes, I'm going to get cheaper Kadarius Tony or cheaper Brees Hall, if that pick is the best possible pick for that team, like you still have to do it. And then you worry about the exposures over the course of your portfolio. You tilt away from Tony and other spots, but you don't let it prevent you from really building a good team there. I think that makes a lot of sense, but I'll, I'll let you see what you're going to do here first, because I, I do have a take on that that I'm curious to get off. Oh, Quentin uh, I just went ahead and grabbed Quentin Johnston there to build. That was part of why I wasn't. Uh, bummed to miss out on Mike Williams because I was hoping I could get kind of that premium. Uh, so now I have a triple stack there with Eckler, uh, Keenan, Herbert, and Quinton Johnson there. But what were you going to say? So part of what I'm worried about with my portfolio, and I think this is kind of going to be an industry thing with how ADPs have moved from last year. And I know, you know you've kind of run into it a little bit with your exposures and, and I think just an adaption of the process. But like because running backs are so available, I'm a little worried that I'm not going to have enough zero RB teams. I know we've kind of talked about this debate, but I think part of my success last year in getting like two finalists on DK one on underdog was because I just every draft was zero RB. So I kind of covered the moon on that one angle now, because I'm taking running backs early. I feel like I'm trying to cover the moon in terms of like, you know, like DFS wise, people always say, Oh, you have 150 lineups. So you could play everybody like, no, you can't, but you're still trying to sometimes do more of that with a portfolio. And that's where people make mistakes when they're putting in 150 entries. I worry that I'm not doing the specific things that have worked for me in the past. And now I'm just kind of getting dragged into this grouping where everybody's drafting similarly. And that's kind of what worries me is that I'm not being hyper-focused on one build. And as a result, I'm going to have less bullets that have that build. Well, I think it goes back to, I, I understand what you're saying. I think there's certainly an element you want to play to your strengths, right? Like if there's, if your strengths as a drafter is like, Hey, I've done a million zero RB drafts. I know how to piece this together, kind of weave through these rooms and, and hit those notes. I get that, but I do still think that you are as much as I love, you know, zero RB that you are really limiting the overall upside of your portfolio. If you only do that strategy and you're going to be passing specific specifically in this year's ADP landscape, um, that is very unique relative to other years with the bell cow running backs in the third round with the priced up elite quarterbacks. And so to me, I feel like my strength is like, I just want to build the best possible team in the room and I'll let the draft room funnel me to that structure. Um, and you know, it's resulted in not a lot of true zero RB builds where I think if I wasn't doing all of mine on stream, like the drafts I've done on other shows or not when everyone's hopping in my rooms, I do end up doing more zero RB, like my zero RB exposure spags. When I do like the fast puppies or the Pomeranian, I'm like 75, 80% zero RB. In those because I'm able to actually do it where I feel good that the wide receivers the best selection right. at a lot of spots. Whereas in these rooms, you have okay, you take Alexander Madison at 71. I take Najee at 55 yesterday, where it's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna value hound uh these these picks. Yeah, so, that makes sense. I'm on the clock here 
one thing, and this is a guy I've selected a ton, but I do really think like the Naheem Hines missing the season and they could still sign someone. Um, if I had any Philadelphia, maybe I would just bite the bullet on James Conner, but I'm going to select James Cook here. I do think his ADP should come up a little bit. I mean, if James Cook was going to have really any pass catching competition, it was going to be because of Naheem Hines. You know, he comes over midseason last year, profiled as a great pass catcher in Indianapolis. Maybe his role expands. Now he's out for the season. Um, a selection like this maybe could look bad if they sign Leonard Fournette um, and you have someone come in with, for that pass catching role, but Things are just looking really, really nice for James Cook right now. Uh, no Naheem Hines, Latavius Murray battling Damian Harris for that big back role. Um, I don't know. I'm going to keep hammering Cook. Um, also, yeah, OX pointing out what I saw. They did sign Darrington Evans, so that's at least yeah. a roster spot there. I'm um, a guy who could do kickoffs, but yeah, like it's not uh, certainly doesn't affect things like a Fournette would or a Zeke would or a, a, I guess a Dalvin Cook, who I, I don't think is a Buffalo guy, but yeah. Just yeah like if you think about the profiles of those backs. I think they, I feel like Zeke and Cook would be kind of redundant to the like big back role. And it seems like they like Latavius Murray from what they're saying out of camp. Um, I think, I think Fournette or Kareem Hunt would be the one where you're like, oh shit, um, that, that signals um, wanting that pass catcher there. So you, you're building out, you got your two big stacks, right? You got Seattle, Pittsburgh, and you got KC and, uh, in Cincinnati. Yeah. In so Cincinnati, like I, yeah. I took Sky Moore, took Charbonnet. They, as Pete mentioned, they both kind of support those two bets there. Uh, but also Sky, I think even if Kadarius Tony does end up fighting the ADP drop and stays at 80, Sky's coming up just because people are now catching up with what we talked about a little bit, Pete, where he's running the slot role. Like he's a starter. Like he's firmly locked in there. Uh, what are you going to do with your pick? Yeah, I'm debating here. I'm at a one, two, five. Um, I don't have a ton here that just screams at me. I'll probably just break the correlation and go because I'm building out such a big charger stack. Uh, I'm going to start to get a couple Broncos guys in here. So I add Samaje uh, P Ryan, another one where it's like, I don't feel great about that click because I think P Ryan's price is going to slowly start to drop a little bit as Javante moves up. I do think those two will kind of be inversely correlated with their movements. Um, and yet, sitting here you know normally i do my Najoku when i have a garrett wilson type piece normally i do my friar when i'm building out what you're doing with seattle and pittsburgh but because i'm kind of going down a different path as far as the games i'm targeting um i kind of just decided to break ties in favor of the correlation in that tier does Samaje strike you as a guy who could fall a good amount? Because I, I think you're right with the Javante part. And Javante's starting to stabilize in the late 80s, but I feel like he should come up to the 70s over a, you know six weeks here uh, before we actually are you know done with drafting. And I think Pirine could go down to Jalen Warren-ish range, and it wouldn't surprise me, which I would still take him there. But I feel like he could be one of those followers that, you know, certainly not a, a big-name guy falling, but I feel like he could really matter for people who are drafting him heavy in you know May and June. Just pulling up the running back ADP, I would say, and obviously all this stuff could get shuffled by other news, but if we slotted P. Ryan's fall now as Javante moves up, I would slot him right, his floor is right after Eli Mitchell, but ahead of McKinnon. Like, I just cannot envision people taking McKinnon over P. Ryan. Same with, like, Jamal Williams. So, I don't know. That that would push his ADP. Would it be, like, a round and a half fall, I think, would be, like, 
the most he would drop because people would still be willing to play this backfield both ways. Like you can go Dwayne McFarland uh, from fantasy life did a tweet saying like, I think you can make a case. Javante Williams would be the fifth, sixth round. I was like reading the replies to like gauge general sentiment. And there's, there are people saying like, I won't take him at any price. I'm still not drafting him. He's off my board. I don't trust this injury. So I think that kind of, thought and sentiment around Javante will always keep P Ryan in the mix for at least a couple drafters in every room. Yeah. I guess people really do feel burned by the Dobbins things. I know I've seen that when I've talked about Javante and yeah, Javante wasn't great last year for the limited sample size either. So that's another thing you could poke holes in, but young guy under 25 coming off the knee injury, that's your best chance to recover and be back to full strength. And you got it early enough last year that I think there's enough positive signs for me. Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah, I wanted, I was going to smash uh, Penny there at 114. He goes, I could stack up uh, Addison with Kirk, but I really only like doing Kirk when I have kind of like that big Viking stack with Hawkinson or Jefferson. I think I'd rather play this through the other pieces. So I'm going to grab another guy who I think is going to be kind of like Sky Moore here and really start to rise up. And some of my best ball breakfast drafts, Nico Collins goes top 100. Um I like getting to a six wide receiver in this range, which I'm not often doing. Um, I guess I could have gone with Dobbs and tried to set up the double stack. Maybe I would like to have that one back, but I've been just trying to boost up my Collins exposure because I'm light on him. And I do think he's getting more expensive as drafters look for more sexy wide receiver options in the top 100 picks. And I think Collins or, uh, is definitely going to fill that void for a lot of people. Yeah, I think that certainly makes sense. He's a guy that I've seen come up a lot in some rooms as well. Um, definitely a guy that's come up already this offseason. And he is, you know, the guy that the name people know in that Houston Texans, you know, wide receiver core that I think people have been waiting for as a young guy. So I could see the steam. I still would rather take 18th round Tank Dell or something or, you know, 16th round Mechie personally. But I, it's hard to not get shares of Nico to what he can represent in that offense. Yeah, I it, I mean, the, the receiver room is incredibly thin. Um, behind him uh but yeah i don't i have not taken i took tank dell on on one team where i was like mechie and robert woods both went earlier pat's always uh standing for robert woods specifically on teams where you have like more of a hyper fragile build and you're just trying to get some production late um i definitely get the case for him as far as like banking in some early volume um but if CJ Stroud is really good, if that offense really outperforms expectation, I do think Nico and to a lesser extent, Dalton Schultz will be the biggest beneficiaries. I think Schultz is the safest guy in that, that, you know, entire pass catching core, uh, just because, you know, there's nobody really competing for tight end snaps with them. Nico, um, you know, is going to be the only outside guy to start the year, but Xavier Hutchinson is there, can take some of the snaps. Woods can still take outside snaps. Um, but I think he's locked into a good role. And I agree with you. Like, Nico probably should be top 100 based on the public sentiment on him. And he's going to get there. It's just going to take him in the next month, probably. So I'm now seeing, so Kirk Cousins continue to fly. Roto Heat Craig has Jefferson and no quarterbacks decided to take Odell instead of Jefferson. That one is interesting. And then where's the Hawkinson drafter? The Hawkinson drafter has Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So now I'm in this spot here where Kirk has fallen well past ADP. Um, I do think I will uh, bite the bullet here at 127 and take him. I do have that game stack. And because I didn't do the Dobbs and really funnel me to Jordan Love, um, I'm just going to value Hound Kirk to Addison here. 
Yeah, I was thinking about taking Kirk just with Madison and not, you know, it's not the biggest correlation that Madison should catch some passes. Um, but I think you getting Kirk here feels pretty good. And um, yeah, you, you pointed out perfectly. Like if the Hawkinson draft doesn't take him, the Jefferson guy doesn't take him. Like Kirk is just usually floating around for a while. I know. And then it even maybe crossed my mind. Could you put, put could you push Kirk to 138 uh, in this room, knowing the Madison draft or two, everyone who had uh, Vikings pieces on the other side of the board. Um you know, I've had these spots sometimes in drafts where a guy, it is often a guy like Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers, um, they'll slide like 30 picks past ADP. And basically my normal thing is like, I'm not just taking an unstacked Aaron Rodgers there. Even if I know you can backdoor stack him, yes, you could do Conklin and Hardman, but like the way I really like to engineer my teams, and I know you do too, is around specific games, game environments, making bets that, those early picks are all going off when it matters the most in week 17. And so those picks, when I don't have early Browns or Jets, those become far less appealing because it's just harder to build out that stack in a way. And so in this situation, because I had Addison, because I had Watson, I need that game to be intriguing in week 17. I'm like, all right, we'll use that to now really push us over the edge. And we probably shouldn't pass on Kirk two rounds after ADP. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And and two, you know, the cutting the parlay is the thing with QBs that I do think a lot of people still miss. And again, this is me, you know, reviewing teams out there and getting people sending in a bunch. I'm starting to see even more than just social media. And it's like, you know, with a Kirk or, you know, if you take Kirk unstacked, he's not going to get there with Osborne likely. Like getting Osborne right doesn't mean you got Kirk right. Um, but I do think with you getting Addison, like getting Addison right probably means you get Kirk right at least, you know, a, a handful of games throughout the course of the year, which which is obviously going to be helpful. The uh, so my team so far here, as I'm about to pick in the uh 12th round, uh, Mark, thank you for sending in the super chat because that Greg Dolchich knife hurts. Um, I have Justin Herbert and Kirk Cousins at quarterback, three running backs, Eckler, James Cook, Samaj P. Ryan, six wide receivers, Olave, Keenan Allen, Christian Watson, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Nico Collins. Um, maybe I will do. Um, could set up, I do not have like much CJ Stroud here, but I am making that bet. Like we just talked about on the, uh, Texans with the, uh, Nico pick. So I think of selection like this, it allows me to get like the stack benefits, um, even without the quarterback, or if I see CJ Stroud as like a really good value, um, as like a, you know, a later pick, I can complete that double stack if I want. Yeah, I look, I think one of my biggest uh, macro stands of the year is going to be that the rookie QBs are ready to go from day one, just how the NFL's evolved and how these guys are coming in with a, a certain amount of skill. So I think taking a guy like Stroud would be not the worst thing for a portfolio. Um, I have nobody that makes sense coming up anywhere here. <sighs> I think I still would like a fifth running back. I am going to take Roshan here and just see how we go. But I have a one, five, six build here, Burrow, uh, Harris, Madison, Charbonnet, uh, Damian Harris, and then, uh, Roshan Johnson, a running back and a receiver, Chase Higgins, Metcalf, Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, Romeo Dobbs. So I like the seam Pete, but it's a little bit different than my usual. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I like how your team is rounded out. Like you have players that I'm just like not in on, um, this year. Uh, like with the Metcalf stuff and Tony, but uh, your structure and your game stacks, I like. And Roshan, I think, is still like on Best Ball Breakfast yesterday. People, someone asked, like, who's this year's Damian Pierce? And like using a very specific criteria, like the two guys that fit that, I think, based on their ADP and the ambiguity, would be Roshan Johnson and Kendra Miller. Um, so 
there's a there's a lot of interesting buzz about Roshan too and how versatile he is and all the different ways that the Bears could use him. So um, he remains a really good selection and the exact type of player whose ADP could really, really jump up just based on preseason performance and training camp news. And I think too, you know, what Deonta Foreman does like Roshan does, but I think better with younger, fresher legs. And um, I've talked about it a bunch on the streams here, but Roshan graded out very similar to Bijan when getting touches. Obviously he got less touches for it, but he's a gigantic man who can move a pile of uh, the best running back in the class besides Mo Ibrahim against eight man boxes. So I think those are all skills that should put over to the NFL pretty well. So I'm taking Roshan still um, with him dipping a little bit right now. So I was in an interesting spot there. Chig was falling big time and, you know, playing maybe like a little bring back with my Houston, Tennessee stuff was interesting. Um, I'm not going to pass, even though I have just such a massive bet on the chargers. And I do think there can be, you know, some diminishing returns with the Uber stacks. I'm making such a big investment in them here um, that I am just going to take Gerald Everett. And so I now have Herbert, Eckler, Keenan, Quentin Johnston, and Everett. So this is one of those teams where it probably takes a little ding in some of like maybe even like the week 17 finals aspect of being so heavy on the Chargers, but I think it can work really well, obviously, in the regular season. You know, if the Chargers and this new Kellen Moore offense, if everything hits like a team like this, can really smash. And then I also think, you know, week 15, 16, you can kind of ping pong some of those weeks. I do think it just gets a little harder when you fully onslaught it. So that's why I'm always a bit torn. But uh, I think having one or two of these mega onslaughts on teams you think are undervalued that have like a realistic path to being the top offense in the season, I would put that as like the Ravens and the Chargers, basically, you know, where you're not paying you know, top three, top four quarterback prices. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to talk myself into a, a Chargers onslaught here. I, which I think makes sense in the Fantasy Life newsletter I know this morning with Ian writing it, uh, Ian Hardis, our old pal, uh, writing about the correlation between points scored and it really benefiting with the terms of the overall correlation, QBs and receivers. I think making a bet on an AFC offense that was pretty good last year, despite having a bad offensive coordinator, now makes theoretically a big jump in the higher with Kellen Moore. Um, I think you're well equipped. And I think that's one thing where we've talked a lot on the streams or, or you know, here and there about the streams in the past about Pete and I advancing and what's the likelihood of that actually happening. I feel like this is the kind of teams, Pete, that we've built where we're not running against each other. I guess maybe that means we're correlated less. But we have two AFC top offenses between us. I guess three if you want to count my shares of the Chiefs as well. And I think those are the teams where you're making the big concentrated bet on just an outlier offense. Um, I think that gives us a better shot to both make it in this pod. Yeah. And one thing that I have talked about, and I even made a, a, you know, the times that I would think about week 15 correlation is when I have onslaughted a team because I really am going to need them to have big shootouts in 15, 16, 17. So the Chargers versus Denver, I have P Ryan. Week 16, they play Buffalo. Uh, so you have James Cook there. They do play the Raiders in week 15. So I'll see if I can find a Raider that makes any sense for this team. Um, Looking at this range here, I am definitely a little light on running back. This has been kind of a running back heavy room. I think what I am going to do is get that Tennessee bring back here um, to my little Houston mini stack grab, Tajay Spears, a rookie that I think you could argue is a little undervalued, like should probably be going more in the tank Bigsby range. I think just relative to kind of what his contingent upside is, if Derrick Henry goes down and just how good that Titans playoff schedule is so i had tajay spears here uh primarily because i needed a running back and two i like him opposite of nico and schultz 
I think Taiji's appropriately priced relative to this because he's like, I think, mostly contingent value. I guess he can get that Dontrell Hilliard role to start, and that could make some sense. Um, okay. This is an interesting spot for me. I don't get many shares of Taysom. I don't know that this is the one either. Um, Love and Pickett both here. Roto Craig has no QBs, so let's say Kenny Pickett and make sure. I think Roto Heat Craig is in the chat, but I'm going to take one QB here to make sure he doesn't take two. We got lots of people in the chat. Uh, uh, Dot Alex here saying I sniped him on uh, Spears. Well, you sniped me on Chig, so it's you know we're even there. Um, it all comes out it in is, the water. It is it is funny how you uh, like you said when you end up on similar game stacks as other people uh, that you're fighting for those. Those can feel like frustrating drafts. So like like you said, Spags and I are attacking two different complete. You know, I have basically three different game environments I'm targeting, stuff with the Chargers, stuff with Minnesota Green Bay, and now stuff with Tennessee Houston. So it feels good when you stay out of each other's way here. I think I'm going to like, man, Derek Carr really sliding here. I'm not going to be doing anything with him in this build because I don't have any. Well, no, I do have, I do have Olave. Um just does a third quarterback here make sense? I think structurally I have some flexibility. This is like a dead zone here for running backs that I don't need to take. I'm basically debating between – I kind of like the setup for the three different stacks. Um, I guess I'll just do it. I'll do it twice now. So we did the, the Kirk Cousins value drop, and now we're going to do the Derek Carr value drop. Again, it's one of those spots where structurally not necessary, but I'm I'm making such a big bet on Olave, right? He's my second round pick here. Um, I do still love the elements that having three different stacks give you in the playoff gauntlet. Um, so let's go ahead and, and stack up Carr with uh with Olave. And I think the way you did that too, like if you're gonna land on three QBs with your build where you clearly didn't need three, especially with Herbert and Cousins. Getting a guy, you know, 26 picks after ADP is probably the right situation to do that. Um, and then again, you have the bet on Olave, like you mentioned. So if Olave hits, like it's going to be very likely with Derek Carr, not, you know, not as likely with Taysom. Yeah, no, we got it. We got everyone in the chat tonight. Roto Heat uh, defending his uh, his picket pick. If he came back, uh, there you go. Tyler threatening to uh, test that flexibility next week. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but one of our favorite commenters and super chatters, Tyler's flying up to Brooklyn for the underdog cardio club event. Spags, I was actually thinking you're not, you're not too far. You're stone's throw from New York city, right? Yeah. I mean, if I, if I had gotten some time and notice and all that and could abandon the baby with Alex for the weekend, I, I would have considered it. But uh, now that I know Tyler's going to be there, it's going to be all, it's going to be just wet floors from all the, the you, sexy things he's encouraging. You, you should, uh, you should legitimately look into it. We, you got, um, uh, we got Karain's going to be there. Um, Mike Zakarian's going to be there. Uh, I think Urkelano, Nick, um, BDGE. So yeah, I don't know. We're going to have a good crew there. What did, what is the event? Is that that's uh you're doing spin? Yes. We've rented a spin studio and we are going to do a live underdog cardio club, uh, draft while I am a, a spin instructor, which I have no formal training as. <laughs> So is it going to be like produced like Peloton style? Like, are you going to be on camera doing? I think like, I don't know what form the content is going to take. I think it's going to be more like a video vlog kind of thing as opposed to like a live stream, because I think just like the tech of like the draft board and all of that. Uh, but it's just, it's going to be a shit show, but it should be a fun time. Yeah. No, no, underdog cardio club. Great thing to do. Get some rake back for yourself. Always a positive. And if Pete's there for it too, even, even better. 
Man, so now we have two more tight ends fall, falling here, and now I'm once again torn. I really like Laporta. Uh, I think he's mm-hmm. such a smash here. I do have a week 15 or 16 thing with Minnesota, but then Jawan also falls here and is correlated with my double stack with Derek Carr. I think I am just going to use this opportunity to take Jawan Johnson. Carr is a guy that if I'm making a bet on him, I would prefer to double stack him. And I've been targeting Laporta in like all kinds of different builds. So this allows me to get Derek Carr double stacked with Jawan Johnson. I got Herbert uh, mega onslaughted and then Kirk Cousins skinny stacked with uh, Jordan Addison. And I also have some other running backs I could add with him. So just building out a ton of uh, game stacks here. So apparently this has been popping up in chat. Apparently the Saints signed Jimmy Graham for real now. And uh, he's been out of the league for two years. Is that correct? Uh, What is going on with that too? Because they have, did they, everyone first was like excited about Foster Moreau. Now that he's back, they got Jawad Johnson. They got Taysom Hill. Did they really sign Jimmy Graham? It's an, it would be an odd move, I guess. Some veteran presence there, some like, it, you know, some snaps left behind. My travel like Isn't it normally just like a, a what a one day contract for like a retirement thing, so he could retire as a saint? Is that what it is? That would make more sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryder takes Mac too. Hmm. That would be my guess, but who knows? Um. All right, I'm at a two five seven two. I feel like I'm not desperately wanting for any position right now. Um. I am going to increase my bet on New England, even though Roto Heat Craig took Mac Jones, and I'm going to take Devontae Parker here for a little bit more New England Buffalo, and that'll get me to eight receivers that I, I probably only needed seven, but I'm going to take eight. Yeah, you're basically doing with that New England and, uh, oh, you took three New England there. Do you have, oh, and Buffalo. Yeah, so you're doing with that game kind of what I'm doing with Tennessee Houston, where building mm-hmm. out that game stack even without uh, the quarterback, which I always like doing there. Um, yeah, the saints have more tight ends than the giants do slot wide receivers. The, the giants, uh, signing Cole Beasley is like such a bit move. Like the, it's just like literally to get people jokes about how many slot wide receivers you're collecting. Yeah, it is a little bit of an odd roster construction thing at this point of the year, but there'll be cuts and that's, you know, that's the danger point always. And you're going to get Mechie here at cheap. Uh, I'm not going to take Mechie though. Um, really? no. Yeah. I, I'm just not uh super sold on that and i don't i don't think i need two more houston players here and i wanted chandler to have another piece of this vikings game uh along with the cousins and addison bet and as someone who drafted two Dwayne mcbride shares yesterday while multi-tabling one purposefully one on because i didn't have uh enough time to make a better pick uh i need to get my ty chandler today yeah, the, the Vikings athletic report from whoever replaced Arif and is not as good, obviously, as our pal Arif Hassan, um, wrote up something about uh, Chandler. They expect to be the backup to start the year, but then they expect McBride to win the role over the course of the year. Um, so I still think McBride is the right pick for me, but getting exposure to both those guys, like it even in Wagnu might still be a guy that is in the hunt, even though uh, less sexy name after he didn't break through last year. Yeah. Um. Who also, where did, yeah, okay, Zamir White went at 181. He would have been the other pick um, that I would have been interested in, um, just again to kind of get that Raider there. Um, But that one does not work out. I'm trying to think the other kind of like bring back stuff. It'd be nice to have a Tampa Bay bring back with the New Orleans stuff in week 17, but 
I don't know who that that would have to be like a fringe, like a people getting excited about Keyshawn Vaughn right now. I guess he's having a good training camp, but I don't know if uh, I'm going to dig that deep. Denzel Mims gets drafted. Does that excite you at all that he's now got a new home in Detroit and he's getting drafted in the 18th round? You know, I'm having a hard time getting excited about uh, Denzel Mims. Um, I'm trying to think what I want to do here. Like there's some like uncorrelated pieces that I like. Like I do think Richie James should be moving up a little bit with the mm -hmm. Kadarius stuff, but I have nothing in that game. Um, I also like my favorite last running back to select is still uh, Travion Williams right now. Um, I feel like I could make a case to get to seven wide receivers or six running backs. I'm going to put Williams in the queue. Um, yeah, I just don't really have any other stuff. I It would have been basically, do I want to take like Kate Otten as like a fourth tight end to have some kind of bring back there, which I just don't, I don't love that. Um, I did do a four tight end build the other night. So I do end up just taking Travion Williams. It felt like I could use one more running back here. The fact that I have just Eckler, then Cook P. Ryan, and then my next back wasn't until 162. Um, felt that was close, but I think I, this is just another funky build for me. 3663. Um, Spags, how are you going to land the plane here? I think I'm going to do a weird one and go to Darnell Washington, who is a target I never get with Pittsburgh, wow. but I have enough receivers. I don't want to take Allen Robinson. So Washington gives me a third tight end and an 18th round. I'll take a flyer. Did I, someone remind me, did someone, did I draft Darnell Washington with someone? Oh, I guess I didn't. It was just on a stream. Someone brought Darnell Washington up and I was like, oh yeah, I haven't thought about Darnell Washington since he pushed that sled or whatever at the combine and looked like an absolute behemoth. I mean, you, you kind of having to hit a two leg parlay that one he's good as a, as a rookie and two like Fryermuth gets hurt, but like there's definitely paths to Washington getting on the field down the stretch. I think, I think he's also just going to be capable of like two touchdown games where you could have limited routes to just be in 12 personnel out there and be, you know, still a guy that gets targeted as they pay more attention to the other weapons there. So I have enough bets on Pickens. I've now I'm starting to get Deontay Johnson just to make sure I have a full coverage there. So I think Washington's just part of the equation to get some of. Um, you want to review your team here? Yeah, let's review it here. I'm loading it into uh, the system here to because I'm a slave to my uh, my organization. And uh, this is my 101st draft in the books. 3663 build. See, I did this the other. Yeah, I did this on my first draft on Best Ball Breakfast to a 3663 build. Jeez. Um, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr at quarterback, running backs, Austin Eckler, James Cook, Samaj P. Ryan, Tajay Spears, Ty Chandler, Travion Williams, wide receivers, Chris Olave, Keenan Allen, Christian Watson, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Nico Collins, tight ends, Dalton Schultz, Gerald Everett, Jawan Johnson. Have a, a bunch of game stacks and correlations that I really like. Um, I think maybe. My my wish here is just that I had a wide receiver that I liked a little bit more. I think a seven wide receiver with kind of the two rookies, Addison Johnston, might have helped a little bit. But if I am playing Nico Collins like a breakout, I think you can squint and justify this as a six wide receiver room. 
Yeah, I think you got a little thin at receiver, you know, especially relative to what we normally aspire to. But I think that that works in that particular build. And for me, a QB got Burrow and Pickett running back Najee Harris, Alex Madison, uh, Zach Charbonnet, Damian Harris and Roshan Johnson. So five running back build. I usually try to get to six, but I felt like that was enough. Chase Higgins, Metcalf, Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, Romeo Dobbs, Tyquan Thornton and Devontae Parker here at receiver and a tight end Irv Smith, Mike Kosicki, Darnell Washington. I like the team. This isn't not going to make headlines with the CMP, but I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I think it's funny too because when I did my Najee team yesterday, I think I did a five running back build as well, and I felt like a little naked. But it's mm-hmm. like if you are drafting Najee, you're like playing him. You're playing Najee and Alexander Madison as if they are round two picks who are going in rounds five and six. And so I do think five running backs uh, in this build makes sense um i think he built out a nice wide receiver room um yeah the darnell washington pick does feel like a dead roster spot to me but i understand why you did it for correlation purposes i think he might not be a zero by week 17 but perhaps a zero in the start of the year we'll see certainly him being healthy is going to be the big uh barrier as a huge guy i think that's always gonna be difficult and and getting on the field but the health is definitely a a big concern for me uh pete of course i'm sure you got some plugs to hit but we are going to head over to the splash play channel in the minute to complete this double header of drafts so please hang out with us here if you want to do that and and make sure to subscribe pete you are getting close to fifteen thousand subs splash play is falling behind the quest for 3000 subs. So I'm feeling the heat. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to hit this drunk show goal, Pete, even though I keep plugging it. Yeah. Um, I know it, it, I, I, it, I've slowed a little bit. I feel like we're chugging along. Um, but we need to hit another inflection point here. Just, I think a little more than 500 subs away, uh, from getting there. So hopefully a big push here over the next mm-hmm. few weeks. So we can do that giveaway when the show is over, you can leave a comment on this stream. And like Spag said, then we're going to hop over to the splash play stream where you can do the same thing. I, uh, went through all of the comments yesterday, have been enjoying reading all of those. So keep those comments going. And I think I mentioned this on another show, but someone legitimately whipped up like a data scraper for me to where I can legit just press a button to scrape all of the comments and it filters out duplicates only does unique comments on each video. So I am feeling very, very, uh, fortunate to have that massive administrative problem solved for me. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we get to do that giveaway soon. So if you're watching this video and you're not subscribed, do so, and then leave a comment and you will be in the running to win one of those three $500 prizes. Yeah, very exciting, very generous giveaway by Pete, but make sure to get those comments in. I know I've seen them slow a little bit, so get your entries. It's basically like maxing out a tournament. You want to get as many entries in as possible before Pete does hit this fabulous milestone coming up here. Uh, what what else do you have coming up stream-wise? Uh, stream-wise, today I think on the club we're going to do weekly winners. Uh, I know Andy and Clay have been drafting a bunch of those and are excited to talk that through, so I'll enjoy uh, that change of pace. I'll be in the uh, Fantasy Life Discord for office hours at uh, 3.30, and then what else? Uh, I'm, pro- I'm not going to be on the stream tonight, but uh, Gretch and Sean are streaming their pros versus Joe's draft over on ship chasing tonight. If you want to check that out. And then of course I will be back as always tomorrow at 10 AM for best ball breakfast with Pat and Sean. We're going to go head over to the splash play channel where of course on Fridays, I do spag stacks. I think we had a really fun stream this past Friday. So check it out, trying to stack the saints and also failing at stacking Aaron Rodgers with the jets after getting sniped on that one. So check it out in the splash play channel, but we're going to head over there right now. So thanks for hanging out with us guys. See you there. Bye. Spags. It's time for part two of our Tuesday splash play doubleheader where we battle in the best ball mania four streets. We just drafted my 101st best ball mania four team on my channel. And now we are about to do 102. 
We are already in the draft room here waiting for you guys to join us, of course, competing for $3 million on Underdog and Best Ball Mania 4. Very exciting times here. Pete and I just drafted some, I would say, very special teams on his channel, so make sure to go check out that stream as Pete marches over to 15,000 subs on the Pete Overzet channel. And Pete, I am in the five hole here. You are in the nine hole. One day you're going to have a 101 on stream with me, and it's going to be a glorious moment for the both of us. Yeah, I cannot buy uh, an early draft slot. I was even looking at my exposures, and I'm actually even light on Tyree Kill now. Um, I'm I'm at six percent Tyree Kill, um, almost specifically because I have not gotten like basically any uh, 104s or 105s in a in a long time. So uh, it is funny to see my exposures now getting tilted based on the uh, random number number generator gods. The one thing that I've started to enjoy going back and, you know, occasionally I'll review all drafts, um, Tyreek and Waddle, that just doesn't happen anymore. Like that's not possible. And I still have enough shares of that early, even though it felt like kind of a, a very exciting casual drafter kind of approach. And I just think Pete, like Tyreek and Waddle, is just one of those pairings that really excites me and you can't even reach to get it now. Like, there's no way to physically pull it off. Yeah, that's interesting you said it. Because I have it picked there, it hasn't even dawned on me that that's tough to do just because I haven't selected Hill in a, in a long time. But yeah, um, Waddle definitely creeping up um, not far behind that those other guys right now. What a flex. We talk about you don't have enough Tyreek, and here I am. Tyreek's paying off Marina owners, and I'm here right <laughs> taking him at the five spot. What was that? What was the official report on that? I saw some headlines but didn't read it. There was a settlement, so he probably gave the guy money and said, my bad for smacking you in the head and trying to take your boat. And then he, <laughs> and now they're good to go. There you go. Uh, I like. I do like to see when Diggs comes off at 1-6. Um, we'll see how far Travis Kelsey falls here. I just did an Eckler build over in Draft 101, so we'll probably uh, hopefully do something different with this one just so I don't get bored. Um but uh, we shall see here. Bijan does go. I'll pr I would probably do I'll do a Kelsey from the one nine if Kelsey falls here. He does fall. Ooh. So um, haven't been taking a lot of Kelsey. He is my lowest exposure player in round one, currently at 5%. Um, but I do think it, it starts to get a little bit more interesting to me when I can get like Kelsey with maybe an interesting wide receiver, you know, a, a pairing that you're not quite as used to. Um, because he's normally going at one five one six, and those guys can often get wiped out. So we'll see how these next picks uh, come off the board. Yeah, I was thinking about taking Kelsey at the five spot just to get the other part of the KC stack that I was trying to do on the last stream on Peach Channel, um, but didn't get obviously that equivalent with Kelsey. Would have been nice to get it here, but you getting him at the nine spot, I think, is pretty fun. Though you're probably not going to get Higgins on the way back, I would think, unless he falls to 33, which doesn't happen very often. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I there's there's no Higgins there. But I get, like, I'm being completely honest. I, I just do not, I it, like, the thinking about Cincinnati did not even cross my mind, like, these really? first few rounds. Like, I just, I don't really think about Week 17 correlation in, in the first few rounds ever. That might be one of the biggest differences between us, which is funny given that you're the Week 17 guy and beat it into my head as long, along with the entire industry, really. And like, I always see like, oh yeah, you know, like you want the alpha parts of the correlation and, you know, Kelsey certainly as alpha as you can get. So I would take a Cincinnati alpha. Um, and sorry, Spags, I'm not going to let you get your, uh, <laughs> your Waddle Hill, uh, double sack. Although there was no way Waddle was falling to you, even if I no. didn't take him, I was briefly tempted with the Taylor Kelsey, uh, start, but, um, I'm going to just grab a, a wide receiver here. Yeah, we are getting wide receiver buried a little bit here. Olave goes, so. 
Uh, once we get to Devonta and T, uh, we'll see who goes here. Uh, Jonathan Taylor falling a little bit in this room and still feels like Pete. He has a little bit more to drop. Like I still kind of think he's an early 20s running back instead of a 17 ADP running back. That's interesting. I like I, I think he could move up um, really a little bit. I don't I don't think he's going to fall. Um, and if anything, I think like. I think any so think about it this way if I'm trying to think because I I'm excited about Jonathan Taylor in a few different scenarios if Anthony Richardson is really good I think you could have a really nice like one-two punch with Richardson and Jonathan Taylor on the ground game and that opening stuff up for him if Anthony Richardson is really bad and they have you get some Gardner Minshew or something like that then I think he's going to catch more balls and have kind of like bell cow upside but again like this was a guy we were drafting at 101 last year, and his situation is arguably better now. And so I I don't get like the slide on him. I want to be even a little more overweight than I am. I'm at 10% right now. Um, I think I would love to be at like 12 to 13%, Jonathan Taylor, when all is said and done. So yeah, I don't know. But I guess to your point, like just how is the market going to approach it? Maybe if people get like a ton of confidence and like, are you thinking like Barkley will flip him now? And yeah, I think Barkley I kind of think him. we should go behind Barkley and Henry. Like once the casuals yeah. come in, I think Henry comes up a little bit more. And I think there's enough, you know, I agree with your takes. Like I think the RPO is going to benefit Taylor, but you know, AR taking those goal line touches away is not great for a guy like Taylor, who a lot of his value comes from just being the guy who's getting all of that work. Yeah. This is, I'm curious to see what you do here. So you started Hill, Devonta Smith. Oh, you might get. You might get Hertz. Hertz Hill Smith is a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun start there. Yeah, I was hoping. I was actually thinking about reaching for Andrews and doing the classic Tyreek with uh, the Baltimore double here. Um, but then I was like, you know, there's now enough Andrews and Lamar drops floating around that I thought I maybe got a shot here. But Andrews goes to the turn as as he always does, and as we talked about last week. Oh, here yeah, we go. So you, get, you get the Hertz. That's nice. There was like a really, you know, the the badge bros, I think it's Chad Mashke, uh compiles like data just from people who share their boards. And so it's a smaller sample size, but it's still kind of interesting. And one thing that was super interesting, he was looking at the players who were stacked with their quarterback the least. And some of them made sense, right? It was like DeAndre Hopkins before he had a team and, and stuff like that. It was like the, um, the Patriots wide receivers because people weren't stacking with Mac Jones. But Devonta Smith was in, I believe, the top 15 players for not stacked with their quarterback, which seems so weird to me because like the Devonta and Hertz ADP always felt a little correlated around the two, three turn. Um, but the fact that you could get Hertz, Devonta Smith and get a guy like Tyree kill um, feels just like an incredibly nice start. I know I have a couple like Cooper cup Hertz, Devonta Smith teams, and those always feel good. Yeah, no, I love anytime you get a falling elite QB and certainly getting one of the receivers with them is going to look pretty good, but you have a nice start for yourself. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm just kind of debating, do I want to keep packing my Brees bags here? You know, he falls uh, a few picks past ADP. Um, he's by far my uh, preferred player on the board here. Um, I think you could have made a case, maybe you take Lamar uh, with Waddle and build out that game stack. Um, but, and I could have done my usual reaches for a guy like Keenan, Um and Ridley, or it was Debo already long gone. Yeah, Debo went at 3-3 in this one. So he's another guy I normally will rely on in this zone. But I'm just going to keep taking Brees Hall uh, here and uh, and live with it. You know, this guy who's kind of on the upswing, uh, DK Metcalf, I've noticed his ADP is now, I think, at 
28 or so. Um, and he's a guy that I was taking at 30. I, I, we talked about this and I know Pete has been a little bit. You anti take DK Metcalf everywhere. You, yeah. You I, I was like single handedly every time. If you're RP, yeah. 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 And so like, I'm feeling great about that. <laughs> so I'm not getting a lot of closing line value on, on AR, on Pittman, on Tony. Um, but I do think DK Metcalf kind of feels like he might move into Olave territory to me. That's because he's a wide receiver one. And I think people still have a hard time viewing T Higgins and Devonta. Like obviously in the beginning part of drafting, they don't, but I think the casuals might go a little more Metcalf. And I think, I think, I think DK Metcalf is probably the biggest mistake the market is making right now really? with his ADP. Let, let me talk through something after I make this pick here that I just think is really interesting. Um, I'm just seeing here if I have any tiebreakers in this tier of wide receiver here, as far as like correlation stuff, I'm just going to grab Jerry Judy. Um, I just think it's interesting that, okay, so the Seahawks add two rookies in this draft from a skill position. They draft Zach Charbonnet and JSN and JSN immediately goes in like the sixth round Charbonnet in the 10th round. Kenneth Walker was going in the second round of early drafts. Um, and drafters said, holy cow, we are terrified of Zach Charbonnet to the fact that we are going to drop, uh, Kenneth Walker three and a half rounds in ADP to the five, six turn. Essentially they add JSN. Who's one of the best wide receiver prospects we've ever seen. And drafters say, we're going to take DK Metcalf a little earlier. Like the logic between how the market is weighing Charbonnet's presence to Walker versus what JSN could do for limiting DK Metcalf's targets. And yet then they're not applying that for Lockett either. Like it's just such a weird thing to me. And I think DK Metcalf drafters are being very naive about what the presence of JSN is going to do for the overall offense. And JSN is coming. He's stealing work. And if you want to bet against JSN, take Tyler Lockett. Like Taylor Lockett's so cheap. I just think the DK Metcalf prices are absurd. I think so. So I will say DK Metcalf, you know, and I talk a lot about, you know, and I know Pete had one of his best ball uh, data bowl people submitting a thing that basically did all this research to find that EPA per drop back is like the most important thing for QBs beating their ADPs. Uh, DK Metcalf is not a great EPA per target guy at receiver. And I do tend to love those guys like Diggs stands out with that. Jefferson stands out with that. Um, the guys I tweet about like Pickens stands out with that. Uh, Christian Watson, like EPA per target is great for those guys. Metcalf was barely positive, but I do think that having underneath receivers like JSN and having Lockett starts to regress as he's getting older. Um, I think that's where Metcalf's value is. The concern I have with Metcalf is that Gino ran like God last year. Like he hit mm. these throws that you should not be completing. And that certainly benefited Metcalf and he still wasn't great. Um, but he's young. He's a big bodied guy with big money. So I think if he fails, I think Seattle kind of fails is how I feel about him. Yeah. And I just think that JSN is going to be such an overwhelming unignorable presence in that offense specifically down the stretch and someone says in the in the in the chat dk could score 15 d's totally i think that's exactly what you need to happen for him to pay off this adp you need this offense humming which certainly could happen and then you need dk to sun run touchdowns you need him to rip off a few big ones you need him to be force fed a few fades in the end zone that's how dk metcalf pays it off because he is not paying it off on volume um he needs to have a massive touchdown year which he can do but we also know touchdowns are fluky and volatile and hard to predict but i i will buy the argument the rising seattle offense lifts all boats but um it is not you are not hanging your hat on volume with dk metcalf when you take him there yeah i think that's reasonable and chat is an interesting chat in uh in here that i will get to in a second um 
Hmm. I think with the Philly bet and getting a little bit of a discount on Hertz, obviously it's field is not going to make sense for me, but I am going to take Marquise Brown here. Um, who I'm just trying to get a little more exposure to is a guy that I've kind of had a blind spot earlier in the draft process. Uh, but Chad's chat here. Morning, Chris and yeah. Pete. Hanging out with you guys this morning. I thought I'd drop the Smith info in. Wide receivers top 150 ADPs. He's at 17% stacked, which is seventh least. I mean, that's the thing that Chad's date, I think, Crazy. has been most interesting to me, Pete. It's just people don't stack up these guys enough. And I'm with you that like Devonta and Hertz is such an obvious one, especially because you're getting direct leverage on the AJ Brown guys. Um, I just think people are not stacking enough. And it's insane because you hear the social media posts and people are like, oh, everybody's stacking. It's like, no, there's like, at least from Chad's data, that has not been the case. Yeah, that one, it is still bizarre to me. And, and maybe it is just, I, I know 150 drafts, like it's a pretty like directionally accurate uh, sample. I just, I, I wonder too, if there's, if there's some noise in it. Cause it just seems so easy that the candidate, Devonta Smith, what goes in the second round of like 95% of drafts. Um, man, I was going to be very tempted by Kenneth Walker there at five, nine. He's been a guy I've been trying to boost my exposure to, but, um, if I'm going to just try to bury DK Metcalf on stream and not take another JSN share, like who am I? So come on down, buddy. Uh, no consideration to take fields here. Who's fallen another 10 spots behind ADP. No, I just like, I really, so this room, I can tell by all the running backs that are still available here. Um, this is a very wide receiver heavy room. I know OMG raise it. These guys are just hammering wide receivers every turn here. And I am just, I'm not blinking in this room. I'm going to stay on target. Uh, I took Brees Hall. I took Travis Kelsey and uh, I, I didn't have any correlation stuff. Like, you know, nothing with Atlanta. Like if I had Bijan or Drake London, maybe I'm like, all right, let's build something out here with fields. But if I have no, kind of correlation tiebreakers, uh, you know, the 10 pick slide still isn't even enough for me to break structure. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And Chad here saying 360 uh, drafts worth of data thanks to the Deposit Kingdom uh, getting board submitted. So, like, he's got more data than anybody else out there. So I think Chad's data is pretty interesting, but certainly some limited stuff. Um, Pete, as a guy who hasn't drafted on DK at all, have you been following some of the stuff? I know you got tagged in that one viral tweet from the, the obvious collusion that went on in one DK draft, but yeah. CEH going seventh overall. DK is a, a lawless land that I'm going to max out that tournament, Pete, but it does feel like you're kind of walking into something that's not right. Yeah, uh, people were tagging me in that stuff. Let me make my pick here and see what I want to do. Um, best available wide receiver. So Dobbins now sliding here. I still think, I wonder if we could get still a little bit more of a Dobbins slide um, with him mm. on Pup. And I am going to just try to stay on track here. I want to build out um, some other options for late game stacks. So I'm going to just take Jahan Dotson. Um, I was going to say... Yeah, I didn't weigh in on the draft. I mean, like, I'm so in the bag for underdog, so it's like I, I'm not a reliable narrator right. when I make fun of DraftKings, but it's also just like you do need to go in with open eyes on the platforms you're playing, and, you know, it's I think it's it's some of the trade-offs, right, for that kind of stuff, and we just know that underdog has a far better system for policing abnormalities and, you know, really cutting off collusion there. So I, it feels bad for me because I know there's a lot of people that can't even play on underdog based on where they live and stuff. And that DraftKings is really the only show in town. So it, it sucks because I would feel, I would feel very crummy about like investing a lot of time on there, knowing that this kind of stuff can be happening. And if this is the kind of thing that is happening at a brazen level, how much is it happening? Like 
by smarter people yeah. who don't have the same usernames who are doing it with more tact. That's always where my, gut, my mind goes. These guys were such dumbasses, but there are people smarter than them that are probably pulling this off in a much you know cleaner way. Yeah, and I think that's the thing where you do sometimes build teams that feel impossible to get an underdog on there. And obviously, you know, I'm not there colluding with anybody, so I'm not getting any benefit from that. But it could be that I'm in a room that's benefiting because of collusion of other people in there. Um, and I, I haven't noticed it personally, but that's certainly a possibility. Um, so it just feels like one of those things where DK addressed that one because it went viral and they deleted the draft. And I didn't even reply if they banned those people or whatever. Um, but it feels like DK won't really do anything unless this happens at the end of the tournament. And then it's going to be like cleanup, like, you know, like they did with the Bachelor couple. Um, DK has just been so bad at this stuff. And it sucks because I know it's a platform you and I both play the most DFS on too. And I just I'm losing so much faith in them from how they handle everything. Well, and the, the the ultimate optics nightmare is that a team from a suspect draft wins it. Like, even use this as an example. Remember on Splash Play when the guy did the, like, Minnesota onslaught on accident because he yeah. had starred all of Minnesota for the one, and then everyone in the room has a slightly better team? Like, if a team from that room wins the contest, like, it's it's bad for optics. Even though you could argue that draft doesn't shouldn't be thrown out because it, like, wasn't collusion. It was, you know, kind of a user who manually set that up or whatever. But I think it's a tough thing. And like DraftKings, like if they had someone win their contest and then you post the board and you see some stuff like that, like then it's like that would erode any confidence for any new player to ever want to play on there or existing players. So that's really the issue is like you can get away with it and it's just a vocal minority on Twitter. But man, if a team ever won like that, you could essentially kill the product. Yeah, and then they are certainly the one challenger to underdog that's out there. And they're, you know, they've made some strides with the desktop draft board and whatever, but the mobile app, I can tell you, because that's where I draft most of my teams, is absolute garbage. It's not a good experience. You miss timed out picks all the time. So I would like to see them do better, and I'd love to see them like pay streamers to do some content around things, but it's not in DK's bag, unfortunately. And Alex Madison is in your bag at 81. Why is he falling today? <laughs> I don't know. Like I was jealous of your Dobbins at 68. What, what you just got Madison out of value in the draft. We just did. What pick yeah. was he at? Like 71 or 72? Yeah, He was 71. So you got him another 10. <laughs> yeah, this is, I, I mentioned that one of my biggest regrets was not grabbing Madison when he was in this range the first time. So uh, I guess I can make up for it when he slides to 81. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that worked out well. Yeah, this has been a nice room for us here. We appreciate all you guys hanging out this year. Of course, Pete and I do these drafts on Tuesdays, but I am also grinding away on Fridays here. So we definitely appreciate if you guys want to subscribe to the channel, Splash Play marching towards 3,000 subs. And if Pete hits 15,000 subs and Splash Play gets to 3,000, uh, we would certainly do a drunk show to celebrate. That's the one carrot I could dangle for you guys. But also just come hang out with us here. I think it's a lot of fun doing these drafts, and I'm going to up my, my stream output in August because Pete, I... Uh, Barring something changing with our billing for Football Outsiders, I'm going to have nothing to do in August, and I need to fill some time and some sanity. Well, what's uh, what people have been getting the Probably updates uh, via email. Yes. Plug the uh, the Probably newsletter. Yeah, go go to probablyapp.com if you want to get on the wait list for my sports betting app, which is not me giving out picks. It's just data. Uh, we're partnered with Odd Jam there to have live sportsbook opportunities, and we've made some fantastic strides this week to get it where it needs to be. So a future, there's a few more UX things to clean up, but basically the get it in good betting tool is what I would call probably where I was taking bets today literally on the shitter just because I'm trying to do what a user experience would be. And I'm very excited about how that's looking so far to be a mobile app that you can price bets immediately, get the best bet, um, whether you're a member or not. So I'm um, very excited, Pete. But yeah, we got to, I have to be like you. I have to be a solopreneur now and then get out there and start uh, making my own money. 
there you go, man. Yeah, I enjoy getting your uh, weekly, uh, probably newsletter, and uh, saw a sneak peek of the uh, the product yesterday. It's coming together nice. Um, in this draft, one thing that's made the Alexander Madison like selection or running back selection in here more palatable is the fact that like Bateman and Zay Flowers are now falling a little bit more. You know, mm-hmm. before in kind of the wide receiver avalanche rooms, they were often gone by pick 83, 84. Um, Zay does go 87. I have Jalen Waddle, so getting Bateman right there at 88 uh, felt good there. So nice to get. I know some people, or obviously the market, sees those guys a little differently now. Um, but this was kind of weird in that you do have Sky Moore. Man, Sky Moore going at 79. Do you see that, Spags? I mean... I guess, I guess if you if you fully remove Tony from the equation, which Conman didn't, Conman took Tony <laughs> at sixty-seven. <laughs> um, but man, that taking taking Sky Moore over like Bateman, Flowers, Cooks, I don't know if I'm there. Yeah, I wanted one of Bateman and Flowers to fall to me, but you got him. Uh, the good news for me is that I do think I will get Tua on the way back because you're the only threat to take Tua, and uh, and a Tua Hurts pairing feels fantastic to me. Yeah, um, I. Don't mind that uh, that pairing at all. Here we go. Any 11 of you want to help me get Tyreek and Waddle on drafters? Yes, that's what the channel is for. You can't collude on underdog or DraftKings, but drafters, yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Go have fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh. No colluding. I would say colluding is bad. Pete and I, I mean, the good thing for us, Pete, is we have streamed adversarially for so long now that we are safe from that. But I did have people who asked us, like, are you worried about getting, like, caught for collusion it's like i can tell you you can watch five minutes of the stream you know pete and i are not colluding <laughs> yeah <laughs> my drafts are are reverse colluding it's everyone just beating <laughs> each other to a bloody pulp and then not liking their teams afterwards yeah yours, like we're, yours, we're, we're, we're doing the overall player pool a, a favor it's like okay here's a bunch of draft rooms with watered down teams relative to what everyone else does in theirs. so uh yeah we're we're the anti-colluders. And I'm going to take two of 10 picks after ADP here. Two week 10 buys, Pete. I did not think of that one, but oh well. <laughs> but Hertz and Tua got to be an uncommon duo, I would think. Uh, I believe, who's the other one? Is it is it Stafford has the week 10 buy? I'm trying because I've had some Hertz double buy. Yeah, Stafford with week 10. I've done that um, before. Yeah, you shouldn't have taken him. You should have really just let him uh, you know, fall to me. <laughs> I don't know. I do sometimes fall into the trap of wanting to take the third QB still. We'll see what's available later on in the draft. Um, but I do think just going in again, if we're going to talk about the, the metagame of it all, going into week 17 and having Tua and um, and Hertz as my guys, if they're both healthy and active, I would feel pretty good about that even if I get no points in week 10. Um, yeah, and like, I mean, I don't know. There are so many different uh, quarterbacks available late too that if you do want to get to a third quarterback, it's not that hard if you're doing it at a, an appropriate price. Um, speaking of appropriate price, I just back-to-back draft selecting James Cook. Um, he slides to 105. Don't have any like correlation tiebreakers other than definitely could use a running back in this range behind Brees Hall and Alexander Madison. So yeah, uh, man, just me continuing to uh, windmill it in on James Cook. This is one of the teams that you've drafted with me recently that I like the most. I think you got a good mix of young talent, running backs looking good. Like I think this is a, a strong team for you here in the, the 102 draft. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking through some of my quarterback options, and I do think um, this feels like a spot to grab Geno. Um, I don't see any other picks like really screaming at me as far as like huge values, Boyd falling, but I don't have anything with KC 
or Cincy right there. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Gino to stack up with JSN. There we go. Imagine how great it would be if you had Gino with JSN and DK Metcalf. You'd be screaming in the aisles. You know, I think that's the one configuration of Seattle double stacks I don't have because I do have Lockett and JSN doubles. And I did with Dwayne on one draft, uh, DK Metcalf slid like all the way to the end of the third and we did a DK Lockett uh, Gino. So I do have those, but yes, I think Metcalf JSN is the one configuration I don't have. And it is actually kind of hard, right? Because DK goes in the early third. I'm not normally taking him and JSN's normally going like on the other side of the board at that um, five, six turn. So you cut, yeah, you would have to do it with a DK slide build where he slides to the third. And then I think it'd be doable. Yeah. Or a JSN slide build. Cause I don't think I have it either. And obviously I have more than enough yeah. of a DK Metcalf. So um, I think I've maybe a few shares, but definitely not as much as you would relative to the amount of DK I have. Um, I am going to take a chain here as my third running back. Uh, still my favorite Miami running back for just being there in week 17, but a Dobbins Swift a chain trio makes sense to me. Feels pretty good. Correlates with Miami. I, I'm liking my team. I'm happy with this. Yeah, I, I love A-Chain with Tua builds, like especially because, like you said, it's impossible to get uh, Waddle and Hill now. And then unless you want to do like the Galbrain, Durham, Smythe, Braxton, Berrios thing, um, pairing a running back with Tua, um, I think makes a lot of sense. And then if I'm doing a running back, like I kind of prefer it to be A-Chain or Mostert compared to Jeff Wilson, just thinking those guys would catch more passes. Um but yeah, a chain is a great pick. And yes, FF doom. I did have Kelsey, so I could have like squinted and tried to justify a, uh, Tyler Boyd, but Tyler Boyd, I do. I don't think I ever take him outside of, um, burrow builds. Um, he's yeah. just not a guy that I end up taking a lot. All right. I have a two, three, five. Oh, I do need to go back to receiver at some point. You know what? Let's just do a little Arizona. Little Rondale Moore for me is my sixth receiver. Um, not a huge Rondale guy, but for sixth receiver, I think that's perfectly fine with some Philly correlation for week 17. Well, then as Tyler says too, you now have, you could do Sam Howell as a third quarterback. You could now do Kyler Murray if he were to slide. Although Kyler Murray's now gotten a little bit more expensive. Yeah. I mean, I think I had some of those early drafts where I, I took him one at like pick 200 because uh, he just kept falling and falling. But it seems like people are starting to get a little bit more confident uh, in him right now. For no reason, by the way. Like, that's one I don't agree with. But what are you going to do with, with your pick? And we can rail on. Kyle. Yeah, I snap picked Eli Mitchell there. I wanted a running back structurally uh, correlates there with Dotson in week 17. If I end up wanting to do something like with Purdy, um, I can maybe justify that there. Um, but yeah, I, I like Eli Mitchell a lot. Um, so he slides past ADP, a little correlation. That was an easy click. Yeah, and I also just need to, I, I planted the flag on Twitter already as, of course, I'm doing my takes basically, trying to do one every day, but some days you know, I'm busy and I just don't have the time to sit down and really force myself to think about why I'm drafting so many guys. Mitchell, I just love, like there's still the risk that he can get hurt again, obviously, um, but the athletic report says he is firmly ahead of Jordan Mason. Mason is going to be the threat to take uh, touches if Mitchell goes down. But I just really think there's a role for Mitchell. Like he, he had 10 touches a game last year when McCaffrey was healthy. Actually, he had more when McCaffrey was healthy than when he was injured or when he wasn't on the team, rather, just because Mitchell was so injured. Um, but I just think Mitchell's so good and the Niners are going to be good again. And I think they're going to be good enough, Pete, where like you want to keep McCaffrey healthy. And just Mitchell is the zero RB guy that I think can give you so many weeks. Yeah. No, I, I think he, I'm kind of surprised. 
that he isn't just like a little bit trendier. Uh, especially like if you think how the market is letting CMC slip, like I assume a lot of that is concern of Eli Mitchell having a regular workload and capping his upside. And as much as I like Zach Charbonnet, and I think, I mean, I think you can argue that Eli Mitchell's standalone value is going to be worth more than Charbonnet's. Um, Jalen Warren does go. I would have liked to have that Pittsburgh piece as a bring back to my Seattle stack. So that dream is dead there. Um, I still don't mind running backs in this range. I'm going to take Tank Bigsby, I guess. I think that's the play is what you're going to do, Tank Bigsby. Tank's a good, I mean, you're you're pretty okay at running back, but Tank, I feel like in a, a kind of, you haven't done anything at running backs, your RB build looks good. And then, I, you know, even for one like yours, where maybe Brees gets hurt or something or isn't ready to go down the stretch of the season, Tank is a guy that by week 17 should be deeply involved, you would think. Yeah, I think the like temptation, and I used to be worse about this, I would make this mistake of being like, ah, structurally feels like uh, a wide receiver pick. Let's get to six wide receivers. And then you kind of just like reach and you grab a guy. But it's like, you know, I can take what I think is the better pocket of the draft board here in this zero RB range, take tank, and then um, wait to get uh, wide receivers later when it's in a better pocket. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And shouts to the uh, Fantasy Life Hub that uh, Mathology's talking about here. A 17% sky and an average ADP of 115.1. Um, I will say, Pete, and this is, you know, Pete's paid by Fantasy Life. I'm not. One of the best free tools that Best Ball has created is that Fantasy Life Hub in terms of seeing things like, you know, Spike Week tool is great, but that's a paid tool. Um, you know, there's a lot out there that are paid. Fantasy Life for free, Pete, I think is really strong. And if you are curious about closing line value, like there's nothing better out there for free. Yeah, uh, highly recommend it. And I've also like heard a lot of your guys' feedback. We're definitely aware of some of the kind of added features and sorting and type of stuff that could take it to the next level. So I know that is being worked on as well. But yeah, all you do, download your CSV um, from Underdog. You upload it in there. You can look at your exposures across all the tournaments. And then the fun stuff is looking at how often you have guys stacked up with their various 15, 16, 17 stacking partners. You can type two players in. That's the one I'm always doing of just being like, oh, how many teams did I actually have CMC and Ramondre on together? Um, so yeah, very fun for poking around at your portfolio. And I do just recommend it as an exercise, like doing that portfolio review. And like, because I made a lot of content on, I did a show, I wrote up a post. It made me think, way more like purposefully uh, about it, it as opposed to just kind of continuing to draft. And I've actually been able to start tilting my exposures toward the goals that I wanted to a little more zero RB, more elite tight end builds, more Ritter and Purdy late instead of always taking Pickett and Howell. So like a lot of the things that I reviewed have actually really helped me. Yeah, no, I think it's a great tool. And certainly again, Dan, hard to argue with free, but especially that good of a tool for free. Uh, there are not a lot of them that are floating around like that one. Um, I have Algier who I just drafted. I kind of feel like I could still use a fifth running back and Singletary is the only one on the board. So I am going to do that and take Singletary here. Um, was thinking about taking Cole Komet for the little bit of correlation with Tyler Algier for week 17, but I think I'm going to take some late tight ends instead. Yeah. Man, all the by ADP, all the top players are are running backs and tight ends right now. Yeah, this is an interesting draft room. I think we've had two drafts today where I mean it might just be the time of the year, P, and you're doing these every day or for the most part, but it does feel like we're getting different draft rooms on stream than we've gotten for the first two months of this uh draft offseason. Yeah. 
Um, I'm about to be on the clock. One thing I'm starting to think about, you know, Russell Wilson went a little earlier. He was another quarterback. I was going to think to stack with Judy. I am running out of stacking partners unless I want to do my millionth Sam Howell team, so, which still might be a reality. But I'm going to take DJ Chark here. Um, not a guy I take a ton. He correlates with Bigsby. Um, he gives me an out to uh, another quarterback in Bryce Young. And then I've just been trying to be a little bit more open to him. Like when I had Hilo from one week season on like the Chark Van Jefferson archetype, he made a really good sales pitch to me on those types of players as being undervalued. Um, and I do think as much as like I prefer Mingo and the ADP market agrees, I do think there's still just a very likely chance that Chark is their top wide receiver this year. Um, you know, basically like a Nico Collins light. Um, in that offense, if Bryce Young can push the ball downfield. So trying to grab a little uh, DJ better in best ball chart. Yeah, it's it, to me, it's Chark or Marshall, but I think they both have equally credible cases to get there. And Chark was better in Detroit than people realize. Like he wasn't uh, great for a best ball format, but in terms of what he was doing per play, per game, looked pretty good. Uh, what are you going to do on the clock here, Pete? Yeah, um, I think what, hmm, what do I want to do here? I could do like the Irv uh Kelsey thing I could do you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a reach here and just build out if I end up going down a three quarterback path um I'm gonna grab Curtis Samuel um this is a move that I've done a decent amount of times with Sean um when you're a little behind at wide receiver and you're trying to build out that week 17 game stack. So, you know, just pushing myself into another excuse to draft Sam Howell, you know, my same old bullshit. I was thinking as Sam Howell as a, as my bailout as well, because I do have McLaurin um, and Tyler mentioned it in chat. So shout out to our, our email cowboy, Tyler in the chat, um, our horny emo cowboy in the chat. Um, but I do think that, yeah, you're, you're always live for Howell, And, um, and this is the tough one because I don't want to take Howell at 173 and you're going to know that. And you're going to take Howell at 184. I, the thing is, is I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be devastated if you take, uh, if you take Hal from me, because the, the reason I like the, um, the Washington San Francisco stuff is because I, I don't mind playing it both ways through Purdy, um, as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, this might be a Kyler Murray build for me, which I don't, I don't like Kyler. But Kyler should be playing by week 10. So I think he does make sense. Obviously, I have two receivers already. Um, and yeah, and I don't need Gainwell because I have Swift. So I'm going to take Kyler Murray here. So you are free to get Howell whenever you please. Hopefully not for a long time. No, <laughs> hopefully not. I need to get more Howell, honestly, because I do think he's an okay bet. I still think Brissett would be the more logical choice for if they want to win this year. I um, mean, that still hovers for me as a risk point. But man, like McLaurin's coming up, Dotson's coming up. That usually means Howell should come up and Howell's not coming up. Do you know what's crazy? I'm looking at, so there's the top like 10 quarterbacks on the board based on ADP. I have more than 10%, one, two, three, four, five. Sorry, the top seven quarterbacks on ADP. I have more than 10% exposure to all of them except two. 7% Stafford and then uh, very low on Stroud, 1%. But I'm 10% love, 16% Pickett. 10% Purdy and 17% Howell. So I have definitely been ripping in uh, late QB builds uh, this year based on my exposures. You're not taking Jimmy G though at all, right? I haven't. Um, I think like now that those concerns are over and if you end up with um, Adams teams, I think it can make sense, especially with Mayer still free too. Like if you get boxed out 
Um, say you have something like, you know, it'd be kind of a fun team. Like if you did it like a JT um, and Devontae Adams, like one, two turn, has anyone been doing that correlation? And then like you give yourselves outs to something with like Jimmy G and Mayor late seems kind of fun. Yeah, I've done that. I, I certainly don't mind that one. Um, we're in the 15th round, so I got to take tight ends at some point, but I don't think we're at that point yet. Um, any other obvious correlations here? No. Ugh, I need another receiver. Uh, I am going to reach for Mechie since I have a little bit of Singletary here for Houston, um, and I still think Mechie is a little bit undervalued. I know Pete pushed back on that, but um, good red zone target earner, good end zone target earner in college, despite small size. And and Pete, I'm going to peel off three late tight ends, which is still my favorite thing to do. 16, 17, 18 round tight ends. Um, not a lot of competition, which feels pretty good. Uh, yeah. What did you, sorry, you did, uh, I did Mechie. Yeah. Mechie. I, I was thinking about taking Thornton just to give me another kind of backdoor quarterback, um, potential stack there. I also had James cook. We do have some guys sliding a bit here. Purdy is kicking around. Um, tight ends got a little bit wiped out, which is a bummer. Um, do I just bite the bullet and take a take how about take your precious? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all knew it was coming, right? Everyone saw that from my way. Nick said uh, up earlier, Pete playing with some reverse psychology, had to make sure you weren't stealing him from me. I mean, it's just like, let's just play the goddamn hits. I'm, I'm actually curious how much Howell I have because I feel like I should have more because I do have a lot of McLaurin. Yeah, 6.5% Howell and BBM, which I guess is not crazy because I'm sure he goes undrafted some amount of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was the the other spot that, let me see in the board here. Um yeah, tight ends are just going a little bit earlier in this one. Like in that last draft we did, I had that decision with like Laporta and Jawan Johnson really falling here. You see Conklin go early. Gesicki goes earlier than he does. I was considering Knox, but I, with Kelsey, you know, I, I, I just feel like I have uh, permission to wait a decent amount. Mm -hmm. um, and where did Bryce Young end up going? That was the other reason why... Uh, 167 uh to the yeah table. so that was that was the other reason why it took me a second to reorient to taking sam Howell because i was like wait where's bryce young um i thought i was going to build something out with that yeah i like bryce bryce is a, a good i mean again i i will stump for this a little bit more just because i think it is still a unique take uh based on what i've seen but like rookie qbs just take two rookie qbs late you'll feel pretty good about it um bryce being one of those guys who are you going to do with your last 10 seconds yeah I'm debating between another running back here. I think I will just kind of build out my Miami bet. I do have that Miami um, Baltimore going with Waddle and Bateman. I take my sixth and most likely last running back in Jeff Wilson, a guy that uh, I have a ton of now. What is my exposure up to on Jeff Wilson? Uh, I'm at 15%, so almost double the field. And I'm just going to keep taking these Dolphins um, until – until something happens, until either Dalvin Cook signs there and I say, oh, shucks, I played that wrong, or he doesn't, and I go, God, I love my Dolphins bags. One of those two things will happen. Yeah, my bet, it looks like, is firmly on HA, and I have 18% HA, and then 8 to 9% of Mostert and uh, Wilson, so I'm, which I'm okay with. Uh, I need to take tight ends, so let's... No, you know what? He's not going to go now. Um, I'm going to take likely first here, so... A little bit more Baltimore correlation for him. I guess I could take McBride. Well, I'll figure that out on the way back. 
But I was thinking, Pete, I was thinking Smythe, Logan Thomas, and a third tight end oh. to be named later. Um, but you might get Logan Thomas here if you want him. Um, I do not. Uh, have I like I been him. forced to. I've taken. No, I'm. I, despite all of my Sam Howell, I'm at 0% Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas is a very nice pick. He's certainly on the older side, but a veteran there with an offense from Kansas City that's being imported by the enemy that you know uh, loves to feature the tight end, whether it even be an elite tight end or not. Um, so I think Logan Thomas is a nice steal. Obviously, you're absorbing a lot of injury risk, but that, that for me, I, I'm happy to absorb all, all the injury risk. Richie James in the 16th. Yeah, well, and that's this is another bizarre one of how we're in this kind of like, I don't know, popcorn phase with ADP where it's just like in some drafts, like Richie James was on the board in our last one in the 18th. Like I gave him a, a little look-see there. And then in this draft, does that drafter have Mahomes? Yeah, they have Mahomes out of the two holes. So that makes sense too because they didn't end up with, well, they took MBS, oh, Richie James and Justin Ross. So like doing mm -hmm. the big backdoor stack, which I actually kind of like that uh, with Mahomes. I think Richie James, you know, if he, if you don't like Kadarius Tony, you should be taking Richie James because there's no coincidence that Kadarius Tony tweaks his knee and Richie James has the first time uh, beat reporters have talked about him. Like, I think that's something that uh, people sometimes miss. So if you hate Tony, I would just take Richie James. And I think, Tony, you know, Richie James should come up to the 16th if, if Tony's going to come down. I am going to take Brock Purdy here. I did want a three quarterback build like Gino and Sam Howell felt very light. Um, Brock Purdy falls to 201. So some 27 picks past ADP. I have the bet on him with Mitchell. They also play the Ravens in week 16 um, with my Bateman there. So um, one of those kind of like structural capitulation um, picks there where I still want some correlation. Um with that, but just not feeling like this team has enough firepower with, with Gino and Howell. Yeah. I think you had a three QB build. Um, and people are saying I should have just rode with my two, uh, by week 10 QBs. Kyler at a discount made sense, but I think for you, Howell wasn't at a discount. Purdy is, but yeah, yeah it's hard to just roll with Gino and one. Like, Gino yeah. and Purdy wouldn't feel great. Gino and Howell wouldn't feel great. Yeah. All right. Am I just going to do, I, I also feel like I have way too much Noah Fant, um, but on the Geno Smith double stack, you have Kelsey as the anchor um, feels like the pick there. I'm trying to see if I can squint and make the case for anything else. No other like huge correlation stuff. I missed out on the chargers with Judy um, James cook with new England. Um, it, Hunter Henry's gone, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't he should still be available. Oh no. Um, you know what? Let's do Hunter Henry. I'm gonna make a late pivot there. I didn't love that I have because what I'm at I'm at nine percent Noah Fant, which just feels like too much, and four percent Hunter Henry. So um I had the James Cook there. I was like just hunting for any other correlation angles, even though the double stack stuff is is nice with Gino. I do feel better about Hunter Henry's ability to to earn targets consistently. Um I think the the Noah Fant thesis is probably contingent based. One of those wide receivers gets hurt and then he steps up. Whereas I think Hunter Henry could succeed just in like the base offense. So I think I'm going to take Durham Smythe here. I know not the sexiest pick overall, but a guy that there's no competition really at tight end for routes. And the hard part for me, Pete is like, like Smythe correlates for me, Michael Mayer. I don't know how he doesn't outperform Smythe nine times out of 10, but I just have so much Mayer that I have to kind of make these choices. 
Yeah, it, it is the, I think that's, I feel like that situation comes up a ton. It, I mean, it just happened with me. You and I just had the exact same decision, yeah. which is like, do you think you take the better tight end or do you break the ties in favor of correlation? Normally I'm in favor of breaking ties in favor of correlation, but this was one of those spots where I, I just like am staring at 9%, no, a fan, a guy that doesn't even get drafted in all of these. And that position feels a little aggressive relative to some of the, uh, these other guys there. So uh, pulled a Hunter Henry out of my my hat at the last second. All right, Pete, service the audio listeners. Give them a good old-fashioned servicing here with a read of your team. Yeah, draft 102 in the books. We have a 3-6-7-2 build here. Geno Smith, and you will not believe this, Sam Howell in uh, Brock Purdy. Running backs, Brees Hall, Alexander Madison, James Cook, Eli Mitchell, Tank Bigsby, Jeff Wilson. Wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, JSN, Jahan Dotson, Rashad Bateman, DJ Chark, Curtis Samuel. Tight end, Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry. Um, you know, definitely making some wide receiver selections, um, that aren't my favorite, but trying to recover there with Chark and Samuel, but I do hit a lot of my correlation goals, double stack with how Brock Purdy with Eli Mitchell. So with that game fully stacked up Geno Smith to JSN, um, and then a bunch of other mini correlations here. And the other big kind of win for me in this draft was Alexander Madison at 81, pretty mm -hmm. big drop for him as my RB two there feels good. Yeah, you got a little reachy at receiver, but I think you reached on guys like Dotson's coming up, JSN's coming up a little bit. Um, so I think this, I like your team a lot. This is one of my preferred teams I think I've seen you build. Um, my team here at QB, Hurts, Tua, they had the same bye week, so I took Kyler Murray at a discount as well. At running back, got Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Devin A. Chains, uh, Tyler Algier, and Devin Singletary maybe needed one more running back, but um, I think I could survive. Tyree Kill, Devonta Smith, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, Michael Thomas, Rondale Moore, John Mechie at receiver, and then a tight end, three late tight ends, likely McBride, Smythe. Um, probably too thin for you at tight end, Pete, but I, I just love three late tight ends. That is one of my preferred builds. Um, I do as well. I think that was a nice team. You also got like the the Dobbins value. That mm -hmm. was nice. Um, those are three of my favorite uh, running backs there. Again, I think you could maybe say that um, in a perfect world, that would be a six running back build yeah. um, is probably how I would squint and see that. But um, it also feels like you needed three tight ends. And then once you make the decision like, hey, I want to go with that third quarterback, I think you got to pull from somewhere and, and pulling it from the running back is, is how you have to make that happen. Yeah, you summed that up very well. So there we go. Another draft in the books here. Uh, Pete, give the people the plugs. Of course, they should be subscribed to Splash Play as well as Pete's channel here. Let me put up the big old gif here, but subscribe to Splash Play. Please hit the like button. Hitting the like button on your favorite YouTubers' videos helps them get seen by more people, helps them get recommended. So definitely a thing that we actually do really appreciate here. So trying to grow this channel. Same thing for Pete's channel where Pete, 15,000 subs is on the horizon for you. And that means big money being doled out. There you go. And uh, shout out to the chat. Uh, today we got, we had the bonk brothers. That's the new, uh, mathology Tyler, uh, combination been dubbed in the discord as the bonk brothers, uh, FF doom. Also nice to have Chad coming out, sharing that data and all that good stuff. Dylan appreciate all of you guys sticking with us here. 102 drafts bags. I, I truly cannot believe that we are, uh, entering the home stretch here. Um, August is going to fly by. Yeah, and 48 feels like a lot of drafts, but that is not really a lot of drafts for you, especially with how much content you're doing. So you're going to be, it's going to be over before the blink of an eye, which is crazy given that we have literally been drafting teams since the Super Bowl. I know it, uh, it really is. And I, you know what? I, I mentioned this before and I'm excited. It's going to be funner. Uh, you know, I've normally had the FBI 
on the alert for talking about best ball teams in season, but with the combination of weekly winners and drafting all these teams, I am looking forward to reviewing these throughout the season, going back, looking at some of the decision points because everything's recorded, all of our thoughts talked out in real time. There's going to both be some fun things to look back on. And also I'm sure some very painful ones like, Oh, I'm deciding between these two guys. One got hurt week one and the other is a stone cold league winner. And you took the wrong one. So going to be lots of fun stuff to review this year. Yeah, everybody will have their directional accuracy with their the this year's equivalent of Drew Locke. So I'm excited to see it. And and government resources means the FBI can't be available to uh, police us all here on talking about our best ball team. So we will be talking about them. And certainly, guys, we've heard the comments in the chat as well. Um, we will be keeping active watch on Pete and my teams. That much I can promise you guys. So we can tell you who's making it, who's not. And and Pete, we can ultimately be disappointed when none of our teams make it <laughs> that we've streamed together. Uh, I know I can't, I can't wait, uh, to see how these teams un unfold. People are excited to, uh, to track. I appreciate all you guys hanging out with us again. Follow Pete at Peter Rovers at follow me at Chris Spags. Follow the show at Splash Play Pod to know whenever we go live here on the channel. Of course, I'll be back on Friday. Pete's got a robust content schedule coming up, so check out his channel. Of course, the big show tomorrow with uh, Corrine and Siegel on Wednesday, so that's always a fun one to watch for me. Uh, but go check that stuff out, and we appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. So, Pete, any final words, or should I just hit the outro? I think you just hit the outro, Spags. I appreciate you guys can catch me on the club later today, drafting a weekly winner's team, and then I'll be in the Fantasy Life Discord at 3.30 for office hours. All right, thanks for hanging, guys. See you guys again soon. Enjoy your weeks. Good luck. Mm -hmm.